0: Ten Commandments prohibit several behaviors because God hates sin, but even more so because God loves you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to the book of Exodus for more proof that the Ten Commandments aren't a rigid list of do's and don'ts, but a love letter from the heart of God. To introduce the conclusion of his message, God carved his love in stone. Here's David.
1: Well, friends, we are talking about the Word of God And it's been estimated that 85% of American households own a Bible. So that's not something that should be strange to any of you. The average number of Bibles per household is over four. But despite an increasingly secular culture, the Bible still has a ubiquitous presence in the United States. Some of the data that I've just shared with you is encouraging, but the same data bank also shows that Thirty-six percent of Americans read the Bible only once or not at all during the year. So while we might have a lot of Bibles, not very many Bibles have us, and uh, we're trying to encourage you to understand that the Bible is God's wonderful gift to you to help you live your life productively, successfully, prosperously, and spiritually. And during these two days, we're talking about how God's gift of the Ten Commandments is an exhibition of his love for you. You may not believe it, but at least take a listen. Hear us out today as we finish up this message from Exodus chapter 20. And now don't forget also that during this month, as we go through the month of June, we're making available a very special resource, a book called Living the 66 Books of the Bible, a 287-page hardcover book That gives practical applications for each book of the Bible. And uh, I can't tell you how wonderful this book is. I've never seen anything like this before. And uh, the outtake from it is just amazing. You'll want to have this. I'm sure it will help you, strengthen you, and build you up. It's yours for the asking when you send your gift during the month of June. Simply say, please send me the book on the Bible, and it'll be on its way to you before you know it. Let's get started with God carved as love in stone part two as we open our Bibles together this fifth commandment is the family commandment and we begin the second section of the Decalogue with this commandment and in the New Testament this commandment is repeated by Paul in his letter to the Ephesians listen to these words children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now, we often hear this commandment given to parents who have young children, and they're said, okay, teach your children to obey their parents. That's all good and well. But when we are told to honor our parents, we are not being told something that has to do with young children and parents. This has to do with us as we get older, and it's an instruction about how we are to care for our parents as they get beyond the ability to care for themselves. We are to honor our parents, lest our children dishonor us. The family rule is the only rule in all ten of those rules that has a promise attached to it. Did you see what the promise is? When Paul quotes this, he draws attention to this promise. The fifth commandment says that children are to honor their parents, that your days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord your God has given you. And Paul's quotation of this is slightly different, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now somebody said, is this an ironclad rule? Does this mean that every son and every daughter who honors their parents will have long life? I know you're already researching in your mind, Thinking of people you know who treated their parents like, you know, gods almost, and they went to heaven early. So this is not an ironclad promise. It's a general rule operating of a general principle, not an absolute rule without exception. It seems, however, to be saying this, listen carefully, that if you honor your parents and provide a long life for them, usually you yourself will have a long life. And that's interesting in this culture in which we live today, and I hope I'm not getting in any trouble with any of you because you may have just done something that you feel is in violation of this. But once again, this command from God is a reflection of his love for us. Why does he give us this command? So that we might live so that we might not be weighed down or taken captive by bitterness so that we may not come to destruction so that we might enjoy god's good gifts to us through the days of our lives the lord is saying this would you do this would you honor the father and mother that i gave you and if you do i will honor your life i will bless your life and i will extend your life because i love you however i must warn you that if you violate this command it will affect the whole fabric of your life i came across this when i was preparing this message you may have heard this before but this is new to me it's in the collection of household tales by the Grimm brothers jacob and wilhelm it's a story called the old man and his grandson very short there was once a very old man whose eyes had become dim his ears dull of hearing his knees trembled and when he sat at the table he could hardly hold a spoon and spit the broth upon the tablecloth, or let it run out of his mouth. His son and his son's wife were disgusted at this, so the old grandfather at last had to sit in the corner behind the stove, and they gave him his food in an earthen bowl, and not even enough of it. And he used to look towards the table with his eyes full of tears. Once, too, his trembling hands could not hold the bowl, and it fell to the ground, and it broke. And the young wife scolded him, but he said nothing, and he only sighed. They brought him a wooden bowl for a few halfpence out of which he had to eat. They were once sitting thus when the little grandson of four years old began to gather together some bits of wood upon the ground. What are you doing there? asked the father. I am making a little trough, answered the child, for father and mother to eat out of when I am big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while, and presently they began to cry. And they took their old grandfather to the table and henceforth always let him eat with them and likewise said nothing if he did spill a little of something. (laughs) What a great story for our day. Honor your mother and your father. That's not for little kids who have parents. That's for big kids like us. My mother and father in heaven, I can still honor them by my life some of you have mothers and fathers who need your attention and the Bible says that when you do your best to extend their lives God wants to do his best to extend yours because he loves you commandment number six is the felony rule this is a short one Exodus twenty thirteen: you shall not murder The Hebrew word for murder is used 13 times in the Bible and here it clearly refers to the fact that we are forbidden to murder each other, to kill unauthorized or with malice. Number seven, the fidelity rule. Now we're getting closer to where we live. You shall not commit adultery. That's the seventh rule. Did you know that back in 1631 there was an edition of the King James version of the Bible where the printers accidentally omitted the word not from the seventh commandment and so it read thou shalt commit adultery somebody wrote there must be some versions of that bible still hanging around somewhere well after this happened the 1631 edition of the bible became known as the wicked bible Or the adulterous Bible. King Charles I was outraged when the mistake was discovered and immediately called all 1,000 of the printed copies back. A few remained at large, and I'd read that one of them was auctioned for $89,000. The person must really have wanted to have something to back up what he was doing in his life, so he bought a copy of the wicked Bible. (laughs) Now, the Bible says that we're not to commit adultery. What is that? Adultery is the consensual sexual intercourse of a married woman with a man who is not her husband, or a married man with a woman who is not his wife. The Bible says adultery is a crime against marriage. How does the seventh commandment reflect God's love? Listen carefully. Here is your heavenly father saying to you, my child, I want to spare you from the awful fallout of lust, adultery, and divorce. I don't want your children to have to go through the confusion and the pain of your marital breakup. I don't want your parents and your children's grandparents to have to find their way through the anguish of a fractured family. I don't want you to lose the respect of your friends and co-workers. I don't want you to lay awake at night and grieve over the loss of the oneness you once enjoyed with the wife of your youth. I don't want you to have to spend the rest of your days with the feelings of guilt that result from broken promises and shattered trust. I love you and I cannot allow you to ruin your life with the fleeting moment of pleasure and because your fallen human nature cares more about yourself than others I've established this boundary to protect you you may have sex mentally or physically only with your spouse Wow how much anguish and pain and sorrow and hurt would be sucked out of our culture if we just obeyed that one rule from God. Oh, you say, Pastor, we live in a world of free love. Let me tell you something, free love is not free. It comes with a huge price. And I've talked to enough people who've paid that price to know that for a fact. The fidelity rule. Here's number eight, the fraud rule. You shall not steal. That's another modern one we could use, right? I heard a story about a factory worker who day after day attempted to steal items from his workplace. Every single day he took a wheelbarrow filled with factory items, and every day as he left he got caught. Cylinders, iron ore, tools. His goal was to steal the items and sell them so he could get extra cash for his family. Day after day the attempted thievery was stopped and the stuff was taken back from him. Finally it came to be his last day at the factory. The commissar was waiting for him to come out with contraband. He got to the door of the factory, and sure enough, they pulled back the cover from the wheelbarrow, and there was all the stuff. They confiscated it, and they said, you are a fool. We caught you every single day. You got away with nothing. Sir, Mr. Commissar, he answered, you are the fool. I have been stealing wheelbarrows. ever anybody steal anything from you some of you know while i was preaching here one saturday night somebody stole my car that really happened a dumb thing to do because i got that thing in there where you can find it (laughs) we got it back we got it back that very night the person tempted to steal god is saying this i don't want you stealing because i'm your provider I want you to understand and believe that I am the one who will supply your needs. I don't want you to have to scheme and manipulate and deceive because then what will you become? You'll become a schemer, a manipulator, and a deceiver. I don't want you to feel responsible for securing all of this yourself. If you trust me, I will help you, and you won't have to steal to get what you need. Here's a good illustration. If you gave your six-year-old a shiny new bike for her birthday because you love her, And the neighborhood bully pushed your daughter down and stole her bike how would you feel you would be offended and angry that someone took away part of the voice that you had said i love you to your daughter god's provision are a daily voice to you that says i love you for that reason he prohibits anyone from silencing his voice by stealing let's review commandment number one is the fundamental rule commandment number two is the focus rule Commandment number three is the frivolous rule number four is the frailty rule number five is the family rule number six is the felony rule Number seven is the fidelity rule number eight is the fraud rule and number nine is the false witness rule You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor What is false witnessing? It's lying Why should I tell the truth? Well, you should tell the truth because speech is a social act speech is a relationship if I love my neighbor I will want his good and truth is the good of the mind as food is the good of the body I want truth for myself if I want truth for myself and I don't want to be deceived then I must not be involved in deceiving others let me just tell you something about the Christian life men and women there can be no meaningful exchanges of spiritual life apart from honesty when someone tells a lie either by proclamation promise or pretense they steal the trust and honor of the person to whom they lie and when their lie is found out they forfeit any honor they may have had any esteem in which they were held by others Truth is the currency of God's kingdom. If you are going to conduct meaningful spiritual business in the kingdom of God, it will only happen as truth is exchanged. Anytime you lie, in that moment, an agent of darkness doing Satan's work enters your life because the Bible says Satan is the father of lies. God loves you enough not to want you to be defrauded by a lie or to defraud others by a law. He loves you enough to have sent his own son who was the incarnation of truth into this world to be your savior. There's a commandment prohibiting lying because God wants you to be made holy and that can't happen if your life is built on lies. If we could just know the truth, we would always know what to do. Isn't that true? You get yourself in a situation where you got a personnel issue and everybody's got a different story and you don't know what the truth is. And Therefore you're sort of paralyzed from knowing what to do if you can just know the truth How many times I've prayed Lord help me to see the truth in this situation? Because the truth is where everything starts until you get to the core of truth You've got no place to go and that brings us to the final rule commandment number 10 is the final rule (laughs) And it's this rule you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. A woman was once asked whether she would rather have 20 children or one million dollars. And she replied that she would rather have 20 children. Her reasoning is, if she had 20 children, she would have enough and wouldn't be tempted to want more. If she had one million dollars, she would want more. (laughs) We smile at her reasoning and we realize that she's probably right. Most of us with 20 children would be satisfied. (laughs) But even with a million dollars, we might never find contentment. There's a reason why this commandment is the last one, no coveting, because it covers all the rest of the commandments like an umbrella. Don't covet someone else's partner and commit adultery with them. Don't covet somebody else's stuff and steal it. You see what I'm saying? It covers all of the commandments. Coveting is saying to God, I don't like what you have provided for my life. I want something else. I want something better. I want something they have that I don't have. Specifically, the commandment prohibits wanting something that God has provided for someone else Your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's male servant, neighbor's female servant, your neighbor's ox or donkey. That's what it says in the text. The commandment is the most violated commandment of the ten. You know why? Because it happens in your mind. It doesn't happen in reality. It's a sin that you commit that nobody else sees, nobody else finds out until the result of it takes place. You and I can have our act completely together on the outside, but on the inside we can be agonizing over lusting after, consumed by our desire to have what somebody else has had. Coveting is a closeted spiritual crime that if not checked will eventually manifest itself externally. It is in the last chapter of the book of Hebrews that we find out what the answer to this is. Do you know this passage? Listen to this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't covet. But be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Coveting. Dorothy Sayers is a British writer who writes intriguing mysteries. She was also a very committed Christian. And she once pointed out the difference between two kinds of laws that we have to deal with in life. She said there is the law of the stop sign and the law of the fire. Here's the difference. The law of the stop sign is a human created law and human authorities can impose or rescind it at will. The punishments for violations can also be increased or decreased. As an example, traffic laws like erecting a stop sign Depending on the community's need, the stop sign can be put up or it can be taken down. And depending on citizens' adherence, the fine for violations can be small or large. But the law of the fire is different. No human authority can impose or rescind the fact that sticking one's hand into a flame will result in a burn. Bound up in the fire itself is the punishment for breaking that law. And God's moral laws, God's 10 commandments are like the law of the fire. Listen to what was said here. You never break God's laws. You just break yourself on God's laws because in every one of his laws, the penalty is insidiously included. And we don't understand that. We don't understand that God gave us these rules to protect us from the things that can ruin and destroy our lives. In her beautiful novel about Maine, the country of the pointed furs, Sarah Jewett describes the ascent of a woman rider on a pathway leading to the home of a retired sea captain whose name was Elijah Tilly. On the way, the woman noticed a number of wooden stakes randomly scattered about the property with no discernible reason or order behind them. Each was painted white and trimmed in yellow, just like the captain's house. Curious, she asked Captain Tilly what they mean. And he said, when he first plowed the ground, his plow snagged on many large rocks that were beneath the surface. So he set stakes out where the rocks were in order to avoid them in the future. In a sense, that is what God has done with the Ten Commandments. He has said, here's a trouble spot. Don't go there. Here's another trouble spot. You'll break your plow on this one. Here's a trouble spot. He's put these ten stakes down into our lives. And he has said to us, if you want to live a happy life, if you want to live a successful life, if you want to live a life of joy and peace, here's some stakes I've put in the ground to keep you from getting hurt. You see, God is not an arbitrary, capricious God who delights in catching us doing something wrong, who levies a fine against us in that every time we do anything that's not pleasing, he's just waiting in heaven to get us. No, God has told us how life in his creation works. In fact, he wants us to know how life works so we can be eminently successful at it. It's like he has given us the answers to the test so that we will pass with flying colors. That's the grace of God revealed in the law of God. It's how the law of God reveals the love of God to all of us who will trust him. He is saying to us, here are some things I want you to know because I love you. You're my children, you're my family. If you would just take seriously what I say about these 10 things, you will have such a better life. You have a life filled with joy and happiness, of course including Jesus Christ as your Savior. So once again in the Ten Commandments, we hear the voice of God saying, I love you. I always have. And I always will. The Ten Commandments are a message from God carved in stone about His love for us. Well, that will uh, make you read the Ten Commandments differently than you ever have before. When you see what God says we should not do, you should ask yourself, why would he say that? What is he trying to save me from? What is God trying to protect me from? And when you think back over your shoulder like that, you will see that God has you in mind, that he loves you, he always has, and he always will. Well, it's Friday, so we need to give you our little Friday speech about the importance of you going to church on Sunday. We're seeing more and more people come back to our church Uh, since COVID-19. I would say we're back about 90 to 95% of those who came before this hit. Our attendance is growing every week because people want to be back in the Lord's house. I hope that's your heart. And uh, if you're ready, it's time for you to get back. Your church needs you, your pastor needs you, and you need the church. So Sunday's a good time for you to re-begin your church experience. Along the way, uh, over the weekend, you can see us on television. If we happen to be on TV when you're supposed to be in church, DVR us. Don't stay home and watch us. Go to church and then come home and share the television program. And then, of course, be sure to join us next Monday as we continue our study of the Word. And next Monday, we're going to talk about what the Bible will do for you. What the Bible will do for you. In the meantime, remember, you can get a copy of our resource for the month of June, Living the 66 Books of the Bible, a 287-page hardcover book, yours for the asking when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Have a great weekend, friends. We'll see you right here on
0: Monday. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to know how Turning Point is encouraging you, so please write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, living the 66 books of the Bible, and learn to better understand and apply God's Word each day. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords, Turning Point Ministries, to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, The Word here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our giving challenge, any fiscal year end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled up to $50,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800 946 4300 or go to DavidJeremiah.ca.
2: In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal, monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership,
1: A philosopher, poet, playwright, art critic, novelist, and Christian apologist. When a man whom some consider to be great says something about greatness, we should pay close attention. Well, Chesterton said this, he said, there is a great man who makes every man feel small, but the real great man is the man who makes every man feel great. Surely that is consistent with what Christ said about greatness that the truly great person is one who is a servant of all. Jesus must have made lots of people feel great in light of how many people followed Him in His day. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's definition of greatness on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.